In Alhamdulillah, Nahmedu, who and Estarino, who and Estor Viro, when I would be la him in Shururi and Fusina, women say ye at the Amalina, when you had the Hilla who fell a mudilla, women you the little fella had the Allah, wash Hado and La Ilaha illa law who washed the Hula Shari Kala, wash Hado and Mohammed and Abedu or Rasulo. Amma Bad. So in the previous session, we were discussing the chapter regarding. Uh, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the grave of a righteous man or worshipping Allah at the grave of the pious and the impermissibility of doing so due to the fact that you're performing this worship in a place whereby it is not prescribed to perform that worship. And we saw all of those narrations where the Prophet ﷺ prohibited us from worshipping, praying at the graves. And he prohibited taking the graves as places of worship or placing the graves inside of the masajid. And from that we now come to this final narration. Ahmad بِسَنَدٍ جَيِّدٍ عَنْ إِبْنِ مَسْعُودٍ مَرْفُوعًا إِنَّ مِنْ شَرَارِ النَّاسِ مَنْ تُدْرِكُهُمُ السَّاعَةَ وَهُمْ أَحْيَاءَ وَالَّذِينَ يَتَّخِذُونَ الْقُبُورِ مَسَاجِدٍ That the worst of the people, the worst of the people, they are those whom the hour will be established upon and they are alive at that time. الَّذِينَ تُدْرِكُهُمُ السَّاعَةَ أي قِيَامُ السَّاعَةَ that when the hour is established, those people who are there at that time when the hour is established, those final people, they are the worst of the people. And that is when the trumpet or the horn is blown by Israfil alayhi salam, and the people, they die, they fall unconscious and they die. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَصَعِقَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ That when the trumpet is blown, the horn is blown on that day, and they will all fall down unconscious and they will die, that is the establishment of the hour, they will all fall down and die in the heavens and in the earth, except whom Allah wills. So they will die in one go. When they hear the trumpet of that, or the, the sound of the horn of the trumpet being blown on that day. Then Allah says in the Quran, ثُمَّ نُفِخَ فِيهِ أُخْرَى فَإِذَا هُمْ قِيَامٌ يَنْظُرُونَ Then it will be blown in the trumpet again. And when it is blown again, that second time, and as some of the scholars say the third time, the people will then be resurrected. So the first time it's blown, the people who will remain upon the earth, they are still there, they will die. And they will fall unconscious and die. Then when it's blown again, everybody will be raised up and resurrected. So the trumpet will be blown twice, or maybe three times as some of the scholars say. And when it is blown the second time or the third time, that's when the resurrection occurs, the people are raised up. Uh, from their graves, raised up from the earth, and resurrected. Uh, 
فَالَّذِينَ يَحْضُرُونَ هَذَا الْحَدَثِ الْهَائِلِ So those people who will be alive at that time when this trumpet is blown, right at the end of the earth, هُمْ شَرَارُ النَّاسِ They will be the most evil of the people remaining at that time. لِأَنَّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَمُوتُونَ قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ Because the believers, the believers, they will die before that. Before the hour is established, before the trumpet is blown, the believers will die before that. So only the worst people will be left upon the earth, not the believers. They will die before that. Kama qal, just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, or just like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned rather, لَا تَقُومُ السَّاعَةِ وَفِي الْأَرْضِ مَنْ يَقُولُ Allah Allah. The hour will not be established whilst there are upon the earth people who say Allah, Allah, meaning people who remember Allah, people who are upon belief. They will no longer remain, they will not be present any longer, they will all have died. Only the evil people will be left at that time right at the end when the trumpet is blown and the hour is established. لأنه إذا كان فيها من يقول الله الله ويذكر الله فالحياة تبقى في هذه الدنيا. As long as the believers are still there and they are remembering Allah, supplicating to Allah, then the hour does not get established until when those believers all die and only the evil doers are left. Then the hour is established upon them. أما قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم. However. If that is the case, that when the day of judgment is established, all of the believers will already be gone. They will have already died. Only the evildoers, the disbelievers will be left upon the earth and then the trumpet will be blown upon them. And uh, they will die and the day of judgment will be established. If that is the case, then how do we understand the narration of the Prophet ﷺ? Another hadith. Where the Prophet said, لا تسأل طائفة من أمتي That there will not cease to be a group from my ummah على الحق Upon the truth ظاهرين لا يضرهم من خالفهم أو لا يضرهم من خذلهم ولا من خالفهم حتى يأتي أمر الله That there will not cease to be There will always be the Prophet said there will always be a group of people upon the truth, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. There will always be that group. And nobody will harm them. They will be apparent, open upon the truth, up until the command of Allah comes, i.e. up until the day of judgment it comes. They will not be harmed by those people who uh, go against them, or attempt to deceive them, or harm them, or those who oppose them. The Prophet ﷺ said they will not be harmed by them. Those people upon the truth, Ahlul Sunnah, they will remain all the way until the day of judgment occurs. So how do we understand that with what we've just said now? That actually when the day of judgment happens, all the believers will already be dead. They'll be gone. It'll be the evil people left only when the hour is established. The scholars, they say this narration, it means that the uh, Ta'ifa, the group Ahlul Sunnah, They will remain all the way up until just prior to the establishment of the hour. Then all of those believers will die and then straight after when the evil ones are left, the hour will be established. So the Ahl-Sunnah, this Ta'ifa, they will remain all the way till the end. And then just at the end, the believers will all die 
And when the evil ones are just left, the hour will be established upon them. And it's mentioned how that will happen. It's mentioned that there will be uh, a wind that will come and take uh, the souls of all of the believers, from the men and the women, all of those believers, they will die, their souls will be taken, uh, until nobody is left apart from the evil ones, and then the hour is established upon them. Uh, so in this hadith, that's what the beginning of it says, that the worst of the people, they are the ones who the hour will be established upon. Also the hadith then says, وَالَّذِينَ And also the worst of the people are, a second type of people who are the worst of the people. One of them is those who are right at the end of the earth, they are from the worst of the people, when the hour is established. But there's another type of people who are the worst of the people, and they are الَّذِينَ يَتَّخِذُونَ الْقُبُورَ مَسَاجِدِ The ones who take the graves as mosques. Those who take the graves as mosques. They put the graves in the mosques. They build the mosques on the graves. Those are the worst of the people to the Prophet ﷺ he mentioned. They are the worst of the people too. Due to this act of theirs of building the masajid on the graves or making the graves in the places of the masajid and making that mixing with their worship. This is from the shirk and it is from the worst of the people uh, as the Prophet ﷺ described them as. Also, it indicates that these narrations all highlight to us that your prayer is actually nullified if you pray at the graves. Or if you pray in a mosque where there are graves inside it, the people, they uh, put the graves of their awliya, etc. inside of their mosques on purpose. Those types of mosques, the shaykh says, praying in there, your prayer is false. Because the Prophet ﷺ forbade that. He forbade us from praying in the mosques of the graves, etc. And the forbiddance, it indicates, as the scholars, they say, the nullification of the worship if you do it there. The Prophet ﷺ forbade us from having the graves in the masjids or building the masjids on top of the graves. So if you go and pray in a masjid with a grave in it, then your prayer is false as a Shaykh al-Fawzan, he mentions here. As for the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, then like we explained last time, the masjid, they were expanding it and they expanded it from all of the other directions. And then they needed to expand in that direction too. But that was where the house of Aisha radiallahu anha was. And the grave of the Prophet ﷺ was there. So then in the end, they built walls all the way around it and blocked it off and carried on expanding the mosque because of the need for expansion. Even though uh, the scholars at that time, many of them did not agree with doing it that way and expanding in that direction. But the leader decided he needed to expand the masjid further. So they built the walls around the grave to enclose that, to block that off. And they carried on expanding around it through onto the other side. So that isn't an example of graves in the mosque. In case the people, they come to you, and they say even the Prophet's grave is in the mosque. It is not. It is in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. That was where the house of Aisha radiallahu anha was. And then it was enclosed and the masjid carried on expanding around and past it. Then we go on to the next chapter which is related to the chapter we've just seen. And that is Babu ma jaa anna al-ghulu fi qubur al-saliheen 
يُسَيِّرُهَا أَوْثَانًا تُعْبَدُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Having exaggeration and extremism at the graves of the righteous people, it will eventually lead to those graves of the righteous becoming places of worship. And shirk will end up occurring there, and others besides Allah will end up being worshipped there. So this chapter now will explain to us the impermissibility of exaggeration, the impermissibility of going too far. And that's what ghulu is. It is having so much respect, as some people do for the righteous people who died. They say this is the grave of the great peer, the great imam. And they have so much respect for these people at these graves, that eventually they start doing things which are actually shirk. Some people might even start prostrating there. Some people start doing tawaf around the grave there. They start making dua there, asking the wali to take the dua to Allah and all sorts. From their great respect, they go beyond the bounds. So we've been prohibited in our religion to go beyond the bounds. You don't take the level of respect for somebody to such a level, you end up falling into shirk. You end up making dua to him and asking him to answer your dua for you. Or asking him to take your dua to Allah. That is not from the sunnah, that is exaggeration now if you start doing those things. Or as some people do, they start going doing tawaf around the graves. Just like you do tawaf around the Kaaba. That is exaggeration. They've taken it too far and they've taken it beyond the limits. So here we've been prohibited from going into exaggeration. And particularly at the graves of the people. What we're supposed to do with the graves, Islamically, is that of course you're supposed to have respect for the deceased people and the graves. The graves and the deceased where they are, you have respect. And you don't degrade the graves or the graveyards and those types of sites. You uh, uh, have respect for the deceased and you preserve that area. You don't let it become uh, uh, polluted or become overrun with other things. It's a graveyard, it's respected. These are the people who are deceased now, and so their honor is preserved in that way. And you can visit the graveyards, as the Prophet said, and you can make dua for them. You can make dua to Allah to forgive them and to have mercy on them. To make dua to Allah for them. Ask Allah to have mercy on them. That you can do. But you can't make dua to them and ask them to take your dua to Allah. That's wrong. But you can ask Allah, make dua to Allah and ask Allah to forgive them, have mercy on them. That's okay, that's good. And to give salam to them. Give salam to the people of the graves. Uh, and to ponder. To think about these people who are passed away and look at their graves and to remember death. That is all something which is good. And it reminds you of death and it reminds you of your situation. But to go beyond that, Beyond just going there to give the salam and to remember death and to respect the grave and keep it honored. For example, in the sunnah it mentions you should not walk with your shoes. There are narrations and many of the scholars, they mention this point that don't walk with your shoes in the graveyards. On the pathways, you have the, uh, the big roads and the pathways where the people walk, that's okay. But inside, when you get onto the grass areas in between the graves, many of the scholars say don't walk with your shoes on there. Because this is respect then for the people who are deceased that you take your shoes off. You don't walk on and around their graves with your shoes on. So some of the scholars, they mention that as respect for the graves. That's okay. But to go beyond that and to go into exaggeration, where people then start making dua to these deceased individuals, 
or they start seeking blessings from them. They say this was the grave of such a great peer, a great wali from the awliya of Allah. And they go there, maybe wipe on the grave, take the soil, blessings, that type of thing is complete exaggeration now. Or they start even praying there maybe. Uh, all of these types of things then when they start to do that is not going into the extremes and the exaggeration. And that is impermissible. So we've been commanded to remain within the limits. You go there, you give the salam to them, you make dua for them, ask Allah to forgive them. And you ponder and you look and you remember death, that's all good. But to go beyond the limits and start asking them to take your dua to Allah, uh, seeking barakah from them, all those types of things now, making tawaf, prayer, that is exaggeration and extremism. Because when you do that, and the people begin to behave in that way, as the title of this chapter says, you say, Yiruha awthanan. Then those graves, they become areas like idols. They become like statues, they become like idols, places where people start to go and worship. And in reality, that's what occurs. They go to the shrines now, and it's known, they go and do tawaf around that grave. They may even go and prostrate at the grave. They end up becoming like idols that they are worshipping. So jam'ul wathan, and that is that the worship then starts to occur for other than Allah. People go to these graves, and they end up worshipping these uh, people in their graves. They end up starting to do acts which are exaggeration and not allowed, and it becomes shirk. We have the narration of Al-Imam Malik. Malik ibn Anas radiyallahu anhu Malik ibn Anas fil mawatta he said anna rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam qala allahumma la taj'al qabri wathanan yu'bad ishtadda ghadabullahi ala qawmin ittakhadu qubura anbiya'ihim masajid the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said he made dua to allah and he said oh allah do not let my grave become a place of worship don't let my grave become like, a, like an idol that people come and they worship the grave or they worship me besides Allah. Don't allow my grave to become like that. The Prophet was making dua to Allah. Allahumma la taj'al qabri wathanan yu'bad. Don't allow my grave to become a place that people come and worship. Don't allow that to happen. Ishtadda ghadabullahi ala qawmin ittakhadu ubura anbiya'ihim masajid. He said, the Prophet ﷺ, indeed Allah's anger is severe upon those people who took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. There were people before us, they took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. They would go there, they would sacrifice there. They would go there, they would make dua to them. They would go there, perform all types of shirk. The Prophet said, Allah's anger is severe upon those people who used to take the graves of their prophets as places of worship. So the Prophet in this hadith was making dua to Allah, Oh Allah, don't allow my grave to become like that. Don't allow my grave after my death for the people to come and start worshipping. So you see all of these narrations, to what extent the Prophet did not desire this shirk to occur and he warned the people against it. But even still, still you see the people going to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and they want to wipe the walls of the grave. And they want to make dua to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and they want to do these actions, all of which are impermissible. As you can see from the narrations from the sunnah of the Prophet 
So this is what is required to be known and this is what is required to be understood. There's another hadith which will come to in a moment where the Prophet said, La tattakhidu qabri eidan. The Prophet warned the people and he said, Do not take my grave as an eid. What did the Prophet mean when he said, Do not take my grave, do not make my grave as an eid? Do not take my grave as an Eid. What does Eid mean in the Arabic language? Celebration. Celebration is what we understand, and that's what it refers to. But the actual word, what does it mean? Something which is repetitive. Something which returns. Ceremonial. Ceremonial and, and celebration, that's what it means kind of thing. But what's the actual word mean from the beginning? The actual word Eid means something which comes back, something which returns, something which is repetitive. Because Eid is exactly that. It comes back every year at the end of Ramadan. Have you ever seen a Ramadan and it finishes, Eid doesn't come the next day? Eid is every day after Ramadan, it's there. Eid is there every day after Ramadan. Except for the people who want to use the calculations and they do it six days later. Then, after Hajj, on the 10th day of Hajj, Eid is always there, it returns every year at the same time. So it's repetitive, it returns all of the time. That's what Eid means. The Prophet said, don't make my grave an Eid. Meaning, don't make it some sort of ceremonial grave, where you come all the time repetitively, and you make dua, and you do this and you do that. Don't make my grave like that. Don't make it like into a shrine, where people come regularly to visit, and every day after Fajr they say, we have to go give their salam. Every Jummah after Jummah, we have to go give salam. Make it like some sort of timetable. You have to visit the grave every day, every week, every month. The Prophet said, Don't make my grave like that. Don't make it an Eid. Don't make it some repetitive thing with a schedule coming all the time like that to make the dua, to do whatever. The companions, when the Prophet died, they didn't used to do that. They didn't used to go there regularly, repetitively on a schedule every day after Jummah, after Fajr. They didn't do that. It's mentioned the companions would go there occasionally, especially if they came from a journey or something, they'd been away, then they would come and give the salam as it is sunnah to do so. But they would not make that some sort of schedule every day after Fajr, every day after Maghrib, every day after Jum'ah, to go there regularly and repetitively. That was not the way. So the Prophet forbade that happening. Because if you start doing that, it's going to lead to exaggeration again. If you start fixing it every after Jum'ah, we have to go there. Every day after Fajr on a Thursday, we have to go there. You start doing things like that, then builds up, builds up, and it becomes, eventually people start to do shirk or dua there, or they start believing that there's barakah there if you go every day after Fajr or whatever else. So all of these narrations, the Prophet warned us against taking the grave uh, as a place of worship or repetitively visiting the graves in that way. Then, after that, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, or it's mentioned in the narration, or in fact here the Shaykh mentions this issue, he says, As-salamu alayhi min ghayri mukuth indahu tool, indahu wa toolu qiyam wa la takarrur ziyara kama kana sahaba ifa'lun dhalika. The sunnah, with regards to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ, the sunnah is, that you're supposed to go there and give the salam, go there and give the salam upon the Prophet ﷺ, without 
going there and staying there for ages. People when they go now, they go to the grave of the Prophet they do the salam and then they just stand there for a long time. They stay standing there, looking at the grave. For a long time they just stand there. This is not the sunnah. The shaykh says it is not sunnah to go there and just stand there. Because most people they think there's barakah, there's this, there's that, my dua will be answered, barakah will come. So they go there, give the salam and they all want to just stand there next to the grave. And they want to keep looking and some of them want to try and even wipe and touch. This is not from the sunnah. The companions did not do that. And the shaykh says the companions, what they used to do was that they would go there occasionally, give the salam. And it's mentioned about Ibn Umar that when he used to come back from a journey, for example, he would come and he would give the salam, etc. And this is what the Muslims have done throughout. They would give the salam to the Prophet, give the salam to the two companions who are buried there, two Abu Bakr and Umar. Uh, they would give the salam upon them, but they wouldn't sit there. They wouldn't go there and just sit down now and just stay there for a long time or stand there just looking for a long time. The companions never used to do that. And they didn't used to make it regular scheduled visits either. حَتَّى إِنَّ الصَّحَابَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ مَا كَانُوا كُلَّمَا دَخَلُوا إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ رَاحُوا يَسَلِّمُونَ عَلَى رَسُولِ Even the companions at that time after the Prophet died, the companions who were living in Medina, they used to go to the Masjid al-Masjid al-Nabawi, pray their prayers, but they didn't used to go every time to the grave after every prayer, or regularly after most of the prayers go to the grave, they didn't used to do that. They used to pray and go, and occasionally they would go and do the salam. So it is not sunnah to make this some sort of shrine, that you go there all the time and you give the, uh, the whatever you do, the du'as, and you're long standing there and sitting there. It is not to do that because then that leads to exaggeration. And we've been prohibited from falling into exaggeration. فَالصَّحَابَ يَأْتُونَ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ وَيَتَرَدَّدُونَ عَلَيْهِ لِلصَّلَاةِ وَلِطَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ وَلِلْعْتَكَافِ فِيهِ لَكِنْ مَا كَانُوا كُلَّمَا دَخَلُوا ذَهَبُوا يَسَلِّمُونَ عَلَى رَسُولِ لَأَنَّهُمْ عَرَفُوا أَنَّ هَذَا مِنَ الْغُلُوءِ The companions knew that it was exaggeration to go there every time after the prayer or to go there every time they go to the mosque. They used to go to the Prophet's masjid for seeking knowledge, for prayer, for i'tikaf in Ramadan, other things outside of Ramadan. But they never used to go every time to the grave as well and give salam. They didn't do that. So this indicates that it's not something you should do that make it into a regular habit and make it into some sort of schedule that you're supposed to go to all the time. Um, Al-Imam Malik even used to say that he did not like people saying that I have visited the grave of the Messenger of Allah. To make this statement and say, I visited the grave of the Messenger of Allah. Because he used to mention that there is no specific evidence to go and visit the grave of the Prophet People think now when you do Umrah, you go to Mecca and you do Umrah, people think you have to go to Medina to visit the grave of the Prophet as well. Otherwise they think your Umrah reward won't be proper. That's wrong. You could go to Mecca, you could do Umrah, and come straight back again, not even go to Medina, your Umrah is perfect. It's a mistake when people think you have to go to Medina, and you have to visit the grave. You don't have to, it's not, uh, 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 it's not mentioned that you have to, there's no evidence for that. Your Umrah is complete, your Hajj, you can go and do Hajj in Mecca, in that area, Arafah, do your Hajj, 
after Hajj comes straight back home again, even without going to Medina, your Hajj is perfect. So it is a mistake when people think you must go to Medina, otherwise your Umrah or your Hajj is incomplete. Especially those people who say you have to go to Medina and pray 40 prayers. You have to pray 40 prayers in the Masjid. That's what they say. And all of this is false. There is no evidence for that. There is no narrations regarding that in authenticity that you must do these acts. As for the person who is in Medina, if you are there, then yes, it is uh, sunnah to give the salam upon the Prophet ﷺ. That is mentioned, but as for particularly and specifically uh, uh, with the grave, then Ali Imam Malik used to say that it is not mentioned. the Sheikh says the scholars have mentioned there is no particular specific hadith which says go and visit the grave of the Prophet. There's no particular specific hadith that says that it is sunnah for you to have to go and visit the grave of the Prophet. Shaykh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Al Hafidh ibn Hajar, other scholars they mentioned that is not mentioned. So a person should not believe that you need to go there as a must when you perform Umrah or Hajj. It is not a must. But if you are in Medina, then yes. It is good to give the salam upon the Prophet Sallam uh, and to the martyrs of Uhud and to visit the graveyard of Al-Baqi' and to visit Masjid Quba and to visit the Masjid of the Prophet Sallam. Of course, they are the five sunnah acts, the scholars they mention in Medina. Visiting Uhud, the martyrs of Uhud, visiting Al-Baqi' Visiting the grave of the Prophet to give salam upon him and also to pray in the masjid of the Prophet and to pray in Quba. That is mentioned from the five places that you can visit. Outside of that, it's a mistake again when people go to Umrah and they go on these, as they call them, the ziyarat. When you go on all of these different visitations and you go to different places and you check different places. To do that, if you do that and you end up missing some of your prayers in the Prophet's masjid, then that's not really correct. You get a thousand rewards for every prayer in the Prophet's Masjid. And if you go out on these ziyarat, you go out on one of these places and you miss Dhuhr and Asr that day and you end up praying in just some masjid outside in the, in the desert somewhere, you've missed out on the thousand reward. It's not correct to do that. Those extra visitations here and there and everywhere, they're not really a part of your Umrah, they're not, or they're not really a part of your visit to Medina rather. They're not part of the visit to Medina or from the Sunnah Acts of Medina. The Sunnah Acts, the scholars mention these five places. Outside of that, you should spend your time in the masjid uh, uh, with the scholars, in uh, seeking knowledge, in praying there, staying there. That's what your visitation should be rather than tourism everywhere. Then after that, Walibn Jarir bi sanadihi an Sufyan an Mansur an Mujahid afara'aytum ullata wal uzza qal kana yaluttu lahum as-sawiq fama tafa'aqafu ala qabrihi. This is now about the ayah in the Quran where Allah says, أَفَرَأَيْتُمُ اللَّاتَ وَالْعُزَّ وَمَنَاتَ ثَالِثَةَ الْأُخْرَى Have you seen Allat, Al-Uzza, and Manat? These were names of some of the idols that the mushrikeen used to worship. Allat, particularly, Allat, it is mentioned in one of the tafsir 
explanation of what Allat was, that it was a man who used to give the siwak to the people, to the hujjaj who used to come. And in some narrations it mentions he used to give them food and he used to help them. He used to give service to the hujjaj when they came. So he was a righteous man. When he died, they built a shrine on top of his grave and eventually started worshipping him. That was Allat. Why is that mentioned here in this chapter? Because it's exactly what's being warned against. This righteous man died, they buried him, they made a shrine on top of his grave, and eventually people started coming, tawaf, barakah, slaughtering their prayer, all types of things they started doing, worship to this grave or to this shrine. So that shows how the exaggeration where it led to. He was a righteous man, he was a pious man, they loved him. But when he died, they went into exaggeration over his grave until he became, or that grave became known as one of the idols, one of the famous idols of the mushrikeen. That they would go to this grave. That is upon one of the explanations of what Allah was. So that again highlights to you the impermissibility of exaggeration upon that. And there are other narrations that mention, كَانَ يَلُتُّ السَّوِيقِ لِلْحَاجِ That he used to make the siwak, etc. for the hujjaj. Then we have this other narration. Hadith of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma. قال لعن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم زائرات القبور والمتخذين عليها المساجد والسرج In the hadith the Prophet وسلم, says Allah curses the female visitors to the graves are women going to graves and the curse of Allah is upon the people who make masajid on top of the graves that we've already covered. And the ones who put lights around the graves, make them into a, like a shrine, put the lights on them and all types of decorations and everything. That is all prohibited in this narration. That this is a dua, Allah's curse be upon the za'irat al-qubur, the women who visit the graveyards. And the ones who make the mosques on top of the graveyards, and the ones who put the lights and the decorations and things on top of the graves. As for building the mosques on top of the graves and putting the lights and the decorations and these types of things, that is known and we've covered that in the previous narrations, not engaging in those types of acts, building the massages on top, clearly we've seen all the narrations, the impermissibility of that, or putting the graves inside of mosques, we've seen the impermissibility of that from the narrations that have gone by. Putting the lights onto them and decorations onto them. Again, it's not from the sunnah, nothing from the sunnah to do that. It is against the sunnah to do that. This narration tells you the curse of Allah upon the one who makes these lights and decorations and beautification like a shrine on top of the graves. The grave of a believer should be simple and humble. Simple and humble, nothing to it. Buried with something small, a small rock or something to highlight that this is a grave. Just so that people when they are walking, they can recognize there's a rock there, this is a grave here, that's it. That's all it should be. Look now at the burial of the king of Saudi Arabia, Rahimahullah, who passed away. His burial, imagine now, the king, even the kuffar, they are amazed. When you read on the kuffar news channels, the news websites they have, they are amazed. They say he was buried in a plain grave. And in reality, a plain grave, that's all it was. A plain grave, sand and dust with a small stone just to highlight that this is the grave of the king. 
Unlike the people, what they expect, the kuffar expect there's going to be a shrine, there's going to be a private graveyard, there's going to be gold-plated uh, headstone, nothing. King of Saudi Arabia, and he dies and he's buried in that plain uh, sand and dust with a small rock. Nothing to it other than that. And this is the way that it should be. Not even these tombstones that the Muslims, they do now. These tombstones that Muslims, they do, and they write everything on top. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Surah Al-Fatiha, our beloved uh, such and such and blah blah blah, the son of, the father of, uh, may Allah have mercy upon him, and all of these things on the tombstone, beautiful writing, hundreds of pounds. It's haram, it's impermissible. These types of tombstones are not from the sunnah, they are haram to do. It should be something very simple and basic, a small rock, a small piece of stone, just to highlight at the top of it that this is where the grave is, put the stone there to highlight somebody's buried here and that's it. Not to make these tombstones with the names and the du'as and everything else on top of them. That isn't the sunnah, it's against the sunnah. So here it should be simple in that way that we know. The other issue that is left in this hadith is the issue of the women visiting the graves. The issue of the women visiting the graves. Here the hadith says, the curse of Allah be upon the women visiting the graves. So what's the issue there? Is it, um, <clears throat> there's also another narration where there was a woman who was crying at the grave. And then she didn't know it was the Prophet ﷺ. The ruling, what's the ruling? Is it permissible for women to visit graveyards or is it not? Yeah, as long as they don't exaggerate in their wailing and stuff. So what about this hadith? It says, the curse of Allah be upon the women who visit the graveyards. <laughs> the scholars always uh, they have a like they mention a small joke. They say if somebody asks you a question, just say there's a difference of opinion. You can't go wrong. <laughs> Correct. So uh, there is an issue with this, with regards to the women visiting the graveyards. The first opinion is that it is impermissible altogether for women to go to graveyards. That is one opinion. And in fact, it is a lot of the scholars. Many of the scholars hold this opinion. You could even say the majority hold the opinion that it is absolutely impermissible for women to go into graveyards. Women cannot go at all. Due to hadith like this, the hadith very clearly says the curse of Allah is upon the women who go to graveyards. Curse of Allah upon the women visitors to graveyards. So the scholar said, clearly that shows to you, women are not allowed to go to graveyards. The reasons, the scholars, they say, because obviously a woman is a lot weaker in her, uh, the, the way that women are, they are weaker than men in terms of controlling their emotions, etc. And so uh, it would become a, a, a more of an issue for a woman to visit the graveyard and she may fall into the wailing that crying and screaming and shouting and wailing, that type of affair may occur. So due to that weaker nature of the woman, scholars say maybe that's the reason why it has been made impermissible for them to go to the graveyards. However, some scholars do hold the opinion that it is permissible to go to the graveyards for the women if it is on a rare basis. Once in a blue moon, as they say. If they go every now and again, the odd time, some scholars say it's okay. As long as they don't make it something regular, and they don't go like the men would go, maybe on more, more of a regular basis, they don't do that. On the odd occasion, now and again, they go there, just to remember death, and to remember the, 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 the situation that they're in, this life, and death, etc., resurrection, 
to remember those types of things and to follow those types of sunnahs, give the salam upon the people, etc. Now and again, some scholars say it's okay. The reason being because, or some of the reasons what they mention is, some of the scholars say this particular hadith with this wording isn't accurate. Some scholars say the actual wording is Zubarat al-Qubur. That the curse of Allah is upon the women who regularly visit graveyards. There's another narration that says that. So some of the scholars say therefore the prohibition is when women regularly are going all the time. But if it's the odd time, the odd occasion, then it's allowed. So you have this difference of opinion between the scholars regarding that. But the majority do seem to be upon the opinion that it's impermissible altogether. But like we said, other scholars they say that the actual narration is the actual narration is that it's the women who persistently, regularly go, that, that's the problem. The odd occasion, it's allowable. So these are the two opinions regarding that issue. And there are evidences that they quote. There are uh, other hadith that they mention. There's a hadith in Sahih Muslim where Aisha radiallahu anha was asking the Prophet what shall I say to them when I go to the graveyard? What shall I say when I go to the graveyard? And the Prophet taught her the dua. So this would indicate obviously women can go to the graveyards now and again. Aisha radiallahu anha was asking what shall I say when I go? And the Prophet taught her the dua, what to say? So these types of narrations the scholars will say that they indicate now and again women can go but don't go regularly and all the time. In a, the odd blue moon now and again they, they go. So that is the issue regarding that. But the point of this chapter was to highlight, you do not fall into exaggeration at the graveyards. You do not start to seek barakah from them, ask dua from them. But rather you keep it to the limits, follow the sunnah, give the salam, remember death, etc. And leave. Not to stay there and sit there and stay there for hours and hours. That isn't the sunnah. So that is what we'll conclude today. Uh, next week was uh, 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 in two weeks in fact. Is there anything next week? So possibly there may be a lecture next week, but you'll be highlighted with the or informed by the texts and things. If your number isn't on the list, give it to the brothers now, and you get informed by text message, etc. If the lesson is on at what time, but possibly next week it may be postponed. But certainly in two weeks' time, inshallah, we'll be back on again, carrying on from the next chapter. So we'll conclude upon that today.